Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me today for this short episode. I know that I've said that in the past. Um, and then it's not as short because I didn't think I had that much to talk about. But uh, I really do think this one's going to be short. We're going to be talking about something out of a Christmas present I just received and common symbols of clanship, specifically what the clans in the Highlands were wearing and the tartans that go on them. There's going to be some things that you might have already known and some things that you might not have considered before. And if you're new to the subject, it might all be new to you. So um, just let me give a quick shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Guys, they know their business. They're passionate about it. They love making kilts. They've got a lot of other stuff there too that you can get to express your pride in your Scottish heritage or even if you don't have Scottish heritage, just something that says, hey, I like Scottish stuff. Tons of stuff on here, not just kilts, but those kilts are awesome. I've got two of them, and the customer service is fantastic, and they have free shipping inside the U.S. Also, check out their YouTube channel at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. Uh, I just recently saw a couple episodes today, and I'll tell you about them a little bit later. Let's get into uh, my so my Christmas present that I referred to earlier is this cool book. Oh, by the way, if you hear piano playing in the background, it's because I'm in the basement. My daughter's upstairs practicing piano. I don't know how much is going to leak through the floor and come in through this microphone, but I can hear it pretty clearly. Hopefully it's not too much of a distraction for you, but you know, it's a busy life and you get these episodes in where you can and and you just make it work, right? There's all sorts of stuff going on and you fit it in where you can. She's got to practice piano and I got to do this. So hopefully it's not too bad. All right. So my sweetheart for Christmas, she got me a book called The Everyday Life of the Clans of the Scottish Highlands by Michael Newton. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you have heard me mention Michael Newton before. He's a scholar that has tons of tons of good research that if you're interested in learning about Scottish clans, which I'm assuming that's true if you're listening to this, then he is a great source for you. Anything written by Michael Newton. And he, he actually does spends quite a bit of time talking about the Gallic language and Gallic culture. And, and often he that takes him into the subject of the Scottish clans. So I just wanted to, there's this one part in this book that I wanted to share with you. It's a really interesting book, and I'm actually going to go over on the YouTube side of things and do a book review of this. So go go ahead and check that out over there. And I'm actually going to be moving through a lot of my sources because some of you have asked about sources. And so I'm going to start putting that out publicly, but I'm going to do it in video format. Um, I've already shared other episodes right out of some of these books that I've got around me, like Stephen Boardman's The Campbells. I've done episodes of readings just straight off of that. So you but but to but to be able to show it in front of a camera and show how the book's laid out, I think that'd be better for a video format. So there's a this book is really cool because it's the way it's every chapter is laid out is he's got a subject that he wants to talk about and he'll he'll teach via his writing here and then he'll share relevant sections from primary sources contemporary sources, which is really cool. So you get a look back into how they're thinking and feeling and expressing themselves as well as what they're actually talking about. 
And in chapter 6, we have the bare necessities, food, clothing, and shelter. But the beginning of the chapter asks questions. This chapter will enable you to answer the questions, how did Scottish Highlanders make effective use of the resources in their environment to feed, clothe, and house themselves? And how did Scottish Highlanders perceive their own way of life, environment, and material conditions? It's interesting because you have English sources who are both from England and from lowland Scotland who are all too happy to share their view on what life in the Highlands are like, and it's usually looking down at it. But did they feel that way? Did the Highlanders feel like they were poor and savage? And so it's kind of fun to see some of their own sources. In one of those sources, it's... uh, I'll just give you the the brief intro to this primary source, but it's called Lament for Ian McGillicollum. Ian Garav McGillicollum MacLeod of the island of Rossi was drowned in 19, on 19th of April, 1671. Okay, I'm going to pause real quick right there. The date's important because this was the time period when the clans were still up and going in full swing and the kilt would have been seen and, and of a fairly common usage at that time. At least we have that from contemporary sources. Um, if you're into this, you probably already know that earliest evidence for kilts probably came about, they, the kilts would probably be starting to be worn in a way that we would recognize them today in the 1500s. So this is in the second half of the 1600s. And I'll continue with the quote. According to tradition, one of his sisters, sisters of Ian Garav McGillicollum, composed a lament for him every Friday for a year after his death. The following is a translation of one of those songs which she composed. It offers an intimate portrait of her brother, his physical features, clothing, and skills, and the impact of his death on others. I'm just going to read you this. It's not too long. And then I'm going to um, just point out something that I think is really interesting and relevant to our subject of Scottish clans. The... uh, you keep in mind this isn't going to rhyme because it's translated from Gaelic to English, and I've never even looked at the original Gaelic, so I don't know if it rhymes in Gaelic either, but here it is. Look out and see if it is daytime as I attend the skyline. It is bitter news that was told to me after Easter. Your retinue was drowned on the rocks along with your brother, Colum. Along with your brother, Colum. You were a great man of Torkel's lineage. Strong was your body. Tartan suits you well, shining with red cochineal dye. No less do trues suit you to go strolling the streets. Tonight intense grief for you lies heavy on the Earl of Kintail. That the sea winds were against you as you rode it out at its worst. Climbing out on the point, you were scourged in a way that I dislike. You were sullied by sea foam, coming from the ocean, drowned. It, was pre- it has preoccupied my mind so that I am made sleepless into the morning. I would enjoy so much of your affection when I would come to your hall. Very handsome was it above your kilt, a sharp, shiny Spanish sword, with a lubricated scabbard and a smooth shield on your left side. A ready hand for the archery target that would not go awry as much as a churl's pinafore, with the fresh, broad belly of the bow that would knock down the wooden marks, even if all Highlanders were present, you would receive the highest honor. So 
let me just go back into that and point out a few things that I think are interesting in discussing the Highland clans and the symbols, the contemporary symbols and the symbols that have lasted into this day that may or may not represent them. And maybe, and I don't, I'm not busting any gigantic myths, but especially if you're new to the subject and you have this very romanticized image of not just everybody in Scotland, but Highlands, Highlanders in particular. Keep in mind that everybody in Scotland was not wearing the kilt. It was mostly a Highland thing. So if you've got the Armstrong and Elliot and Johnston and Maxwell and Kerr and Hume and Scott or Douglas ancestors, and they're from the border area and they're border reavers, they probably weren't wearing kilts. I'm not saying they weren't wearing anything tartan, but they probably weren't wearing kilts. So historically, this is a Highland conversation. And let's look at what this teaches us about Highland dress, because it's important in that the Highland dress has transferred into now a national symbol, a national dress, which I'm all for. I'm all for that with all of the encroachment on the Gallic culture of the Highlands and Isles or Southwest Scotland and Galloway and that area down there, which was also Gallic for a long, long time. With all the encroachment on that culture by the more Anglo culture of either England or the lowlands of Scotland, I am perfectly happy to see Highland culture pushing back and encroaching into those areas. So when I see people whose ancestry is primarily border ancestry or even the central belt of Scotland or Aberdeenshire, wherever else is considered lowland, and I see them wearing kilts I, I'm as, a, as an expression of their identity, I think that's awesome. I love to see that that traditional dress from the Highlands and Isles pushing the other direction. But what do we learn about it from this, this lament about Ian Garv McGillachalem MacLeod? There's two things I want to look at here. One is that he was wearing trues. Isn't that interesting? Um, he says, Tartan suits you well, shining with red cochineal dye. No less do trues suit you to go strolling the streets. So there's, and that's, that's actually where the most of this I want to dial in on right there is he was wearing trues. Something that was interesting that Michael Newton pointed out here earlier before he got into talking about the primary sources and sharing those with us in this book, he says that it should also be kept in mind, however, that trousers called truvis in Gallic and trues in Scots have been a fashion item amongst the Gallic elite for even longer than the kilt. I did not know that. That was new information to me. I knew that they're contemporary. I've seen pictures of Highland lords and chiefs and other people of the aristocracy wearing trues instead of kilts. So I knew that was a thing. I did not know that it went back farther than that. And that makes sense because if you think about the elite being people who owned horses and rode horses on a regular basis would have been that level of society. And pants or trues or trousers are generally associated with horseback riding as you go back anciently. Now it's just kind of ubiquitous. Everybody likes to wear pants. But anciently, the first evidence we have of pants or trousers being worn, the very earliest, earliest sample of a pant garment comes from the Tarim Basin in China, where the Tokarians were, and it's, it looks like they're stitched together for a horseback rider specifically. So 
and in the Greeks re- writing about the Scythians, the Greeks thought that the the pants they wore were stupid, but the Greeks were not a horse culture. That's not to say that nobody in Greece rode horses, but the Scythians were a horse culture. They were horse people. So that would make sense that if the elite uh, often favor the the uh, trues. Now that does I'm not claiming you can't ride a kilt, a horse in a kilt. It just it just goes together in my head. It makes sense. All right. So there's something. So if you're I don't know maybe if you're an, a reenactor and you're looking to make sure you're tight on and it's the Highlands that you're going to and that's that time period. You know the, the, maybe the second half of the 1500s or the 1600s or clear up into the Jacobite Rebellion in the mid 1700s or the Jacobite Rebellions I should say. Um, your the kilt's not your only option. Although I know a lot of us just really like the kilt and you probably want to go with that anyway. Just know that trues were historically accurate. In fact, very accurate. And I don't know, he doesn't say ratios and ratios of kilt wearers to trues wearers. I, I don't know. I don't know how that broke down, but I just think that's an interesting little detail in there and a little bit of interesting information shared by Michael Newton from this book. Now, before I share the next thing that I think is interesting out of this, I would like to give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They had a, uh, I'm going to start this time talking about their YouTube channel, which they had some really interesting content on there lately. They had uh, Sean, who is a Scot and has a vlog. And for all the more information, you can go to their, if you want to learn about this, but they had him on. So it's not just a couple of Americans talking about Scottish dress and culture and history. It's a, 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 an American and a Scot from Scotland, and he was sharing Scottish perspectives on Americans um, wearing the kilt and how it's received there. And so if you want any more detail on that, go check it out. And they've got lots of cool content. So it's, got, it's USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions is their YouTube channel. If you got any desire to, if you're in the market for a kilt or anything else to put on you to show your Scottish pride, go to usakilts.com, which is their storefront. Superior quality products, awesome customer service, free shipping in the U.S. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I recommend them. So go check them out. So the next thing I thought was really interesting was they, she describes specifically his, what he was wearing. So it wasn't just a plain red suit with, with red trues. He was actually wearing tartan. Tartan suits you well, shining with red cochineal dye. That's interesting because he was wearing a red tartan, a bright red tartan. Now I looked this up. So the first thought process I went through was like, that's really interesting because neither the McLeod of Harrison Dunvegan nor the McLeods of Lewis have a red tartan. So I was like, oh, this is maybe this perfect thing that would show that guys, people back then didn't care. There was no clan tartans. But then I, I look back and I see that he's actually from Rossi, which is, I think I need to go look this up. Maybe you can too. But I think the Rossi McLeods were a, a branch of the Lewis shield, shield Torkel. And she actually calls him, um, Torkel's. She, she refers to his descent from Torkel there in the, in the, in the lament. You were a great man of Torkel's lineage. So, Shield Torkel is the Lewis McLeods. Shield Tormod is the the Harrison Dunvegan McLeods. So, the the Lewis McLeods have a bright yellow. I mean, you can see it if you ever go to anything where people are wearing kilts. 
you can spot out, a, pick out a Lewis McLeod for a long, from a long way away. It's bright yellow. They just wear it. It's loud as the day is long. You can see it. They embrace it. It's cool. But he's wearing red. But so I was like, wow, this is. But I actually looked up to see if the Rossi McLeods at that branch have their own tartan, and they do, and it is red. Now, is that proof that clan tartans existed in seven or in 1671 or in this time period? No, that's not. In fact, the, the the concept, a lot of you know this already, this isn't groundbreaking, that the concept of a tartan indicating your lineage or your affiliation to a particular clan or kindred is a relatively modern convention. But my question is, when they were embracing these modern conventions, did they use this, did the, McLeod, the Rossi McLeods, did they use this to decide their tartan. I don't know. It'd be interesting to try that. There's something else for you to, to really dig into and look up. So I think, like I've said before, one of the values of having this conversation with you all is not only to share information, but to spark questions and inquiry and, and things that we can look in further from there, because I don't got time to look up everything before I come into a record a podcast and share it with you guys. So we also then have a platform or a springboard from which to bounce into further research. So there, there's two things that I think were noteworthy about that. One is that trues were commonly embraced among Gallic elite and go back maybe a little farther than, than the kilt, according to Michael Newton, or I don't know how much farther back, but he said earlier. And just the whole concept of clan tartans, because I did think it interesting that I happened to look up the... McLeod of Rossi Tartan and it happened to be red. Coincidence? Or when everybody was deciding that their clan was going to have a specific Tartan, did they use this to go back and say, oh, that's evidence of it? I don't know. Something to look back into, but I think it's interesting in when we were talking about clan emblems and things that represent, even whether, whether it's total, super ancient or whether it's relatively modern, I think it's an interesting discussion. So there you have it. Hey, if the if these episodes are at all interesting or productive or worth your time at all, please considering uh, pitching in, paying it back, however you want to look at it. You can go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team if you want to contribute to the cause there. Um, if you want to check out the website just generally, there's links to other resources you can go to scottish-clans.com if I've got some I've got some free PDF things that can help you in your study of the Scottish clans there and keep an eye out once again for YouTube videos by the time I publish this podcast I'll probably have the YouTube videos published as well but I'm going to have at least a start on a series of YouTube's videos going through different sources that I have used and that I would encourage you guys to use for the study of the Scottish clans so have your have your eyes up for that one, um, because people have asked me about it on the Facebook group. Hey, what you got a reading list or what? And so I'm going to be going through this. A lot of my uh, source material are PDFs or articles that I found online, and so I can't do that. But I do have a stack of books 
that I wouldn't mind going through and just w- explaining why they would be useful for somebody who is interested in studying the Scottish clans. So um, with that, if you want to reach out to me at all, it's thescottishclans at gmail.com. Reach out to me. That's the best way to do it. If you got something you really want me to see, it's kind of a roll of the dice, whether I'll see it on Facebook or not, because it's so big. The group's huge. Content on there all the time. Go check it out. But um, if I'm not on there all the time. It's, it's a lot for me to just scrape together time to do these podcasts and YouTube videos and work on the online course, which is about to drop. I'm so excited about that. I think it'll really help. It's about the origins of the Scottish clans. That's going to come out really soon. Right now, I'm just dialing in which platform I want to publish that on. So uh, look, look out for that. And, um, and if you, haven't subscribed to this podcast, make sure you do it. Go check the YouTube channel out. If you've already subscribed, share this with your friends. There's somebody out here there who is super interested in this subject and they don't know about it because nobody shared it with them. So think about who you know and who you can share it with. And until next time, Marish and Leib and Drastov.